Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the West End of Richmond, where it is, let's see, oh, look, it is July. It is July the 1st, Wednesday, July the 1st, as we record this, um, which means that we are dangerously close to some sort of football, um, actual football. Um, we will try our best not to talk too much about the chance that that chance is not real, but we, 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 I digress. Um, Virginia is going to come back to, to grounds um, this week, uh, and they are going to open camp presumably on August the 9th. We have those official details now, so it was like a week off when I said that by the time we came back that those details would be announced officially. So we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that. And then um, depending on sort of how that, that goes, I, I want to talk a little bit about recruiting too. There's obviously Virginia um, not in a bad spot in terms of its class, but also too kind of watching around the Commonwealth and sort of around um, where things are going for several other teams. I think it's, it's a good time to check in on that and like what the dead period means and that kind of thing. Uh, before we get started, let's go to Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going, I guess, decent, all things considered. Um, you know, I'm 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 longing for for life of yore. <laughs> you know, normality would be nice. Um, this new existence is kind of weighing on me. But uh, moving on, it's summer. July's here. Let's hope it's better than June. Who days on the board at? Who days on Twitter? I would kill to like check Twitter and there not be like 150 tweets of the last 20 minutes. I remember like random Tuesdays where like it was just complete. There was nothing going on. You know, like I, there's this whole joke about like I would like to go back to precedented times. Um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've made that joke on the show. But every day it becomes more and more real. Uh, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the program. How's it going, my dude? It's 2020. Yeah, it's going. But long weekend coming up. You know, don't scare anyone's dogs with the fireworks. Apparently, that's a big hot button issue on Twitter as well. Um, this week's good cause, or whatever we're calling this thing, we don't really have a name for it, um, is the Who Crew, who is the uh, official, I guess you could say, student-run fan group. I don't know what they want to call themselves. Um, they're doing some like donation drives over the next few days. I think it ends on Saturday. Um, they all support local Charlottesville causes. Um, I don't have the tweet in front of me, so I can't run through everything right now. But I suggest just go to their Twitter, which is at who underscore crew. And you can look at you know who they're donating to, what that means. Uh, and they're matching donations up to $750, which is, which is awesome. Um, and three really good causes. Uh, and they're basically, I think they're taking money on Venmo, which is, and their Venmo is, I wrote it down, who crew UVA. Um, but if you need more information about like how to donate or you don't have Venmo or whatever, I suggest just like finding them on Twitter um, at who underscore crew. So and I'm at Justin underscore Ferber and my tweets aren't nearly as a uh, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. Generous. There you go. The community. <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, think my t- last tweet was like mayonnaise is trash. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the day that uh, that the um, I almost called it the tire bowl. That the Belk Bowl became uh, that the Leggett's Bowl became the the mayonnaise bowl was something else. Montgomery um, Ward. <laughs> um, um, let's see. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for um, quote unquote um, in game updates. Um, but certainly the content items and yeah, occasionally witty banter. Um, yeah, we got to talk about the fireworks situation. I, I, I 
I, I don't know what I, I listen. I'm not a tinfoil hat kind of guy, and I'm not gonna start um, pontificating about tinfoil hat kind of stuff on my podcast. But um, it, it's getting a little bit ridiculous, man. And like I, I very rarely read something on Twitter that I can totally identify with. But when you see different people from different segments of the country talking about like why are fireworks always a th- could become a thing, um, it, it's definitely a thing where I am. Like literally right before I called Dave to, to start this uh, podcast, um, I could hear stuff going off behind me. And I thought to myself, self, it, what if the what if the, the fireworks get in the background? And then I thought that would actually be very meta considering the conversation around fireworks. So yes, uh, if you are... Um, celebrating the fourth, um, make sure that you, I don't know, find somebody, um, you know, that you trust who works for a fire department or something. I don't know. Don't go too crazy. Um, and if that person, uh, if you can't find that person, do your best. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the fireworks. It's kind of freaky. I'm not going to lie. You should see my, like, I'm not going to be home this fourth. I'm going, we're going down to the lake. Um, but normally on the fourth, like our deck overlooks, the. You know, we have like a farm behind us and looking towards Afton Mountain. So big valley and some houses out in the distance. Um, If you sit on our deck on the 4th, there's eight different individual fireworks shows that we watch. Like it's all over the neighborhood and it doesn't stop until well after midnight. All right, Dave, what would you say your your address is? Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Um, But yeah, but that's there's two houses that will just do them like on a random Tuesday. So just... It's life. Random Tuesday houses are for fireworks. If you are if you are a listener of this podcast, all right, <laughs> and you are somebody who lights off fireworks on a random Tuesday, okay, feel free to to either tweet at Dave or Ferber. Um, <laughs> if you really want to email me, no. um, feel free. Um, if you but you got to find my email address. Um, but no, seriously, like what is like? I just want to know that I, I it's one. I want to know that it's not like some like weird conspiracy thing just so people can stop talking about it. But then, too, I'm just kind of fascinated by it. Like, there's a part of my brain that is like, huh, why is this a thing? And then if, like, they could explain why it's a thing, I'd be like, oh. I mean, like, look, it could be as simple as, like, hey, people are cooped up and they just want to do something. And they, you know, there's, like, I don't know, a bunch of random stands with fireworks. Now, Virginia, of course, is a place where the technically fireworks are supposed to be illegal. Um, you know, but... Again, president at times, you know, I never, I never, before this, I would, before this podcast started, I never would have worried that fireworks were going to be going off in the background. Um, And the fact that like that didn't necessarily just apply to my microphone tells me a lot about what's going on. Anyway, I digress. Okay. So Virginia officially announces that the Cavaliers are going to get back to work, Um, which every time I, every time I phrase this to somebody or like on the site or whatever. It just it kept feeling like a labor dispute that was finally over, right? And they were like, yep, they're finally going to play. Um, except that's obviously not what happened here. Uh, Cavaliers going to come back on, like I said, July the 5th. Uh, I believe that um, they're um, talking about opening camp on August the 9th. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that that this is the way they went. I think it's it surprises me that it didn't... Um, that it got announced when it did. So let's break this down. Voluntary activity is between July the 5th and July the 14th. Then for 10 days thereafter, there's a re- what's called required activity, up to eight hours per week. That includes weight training, conditioning, and film review. From the 26th of July through August the 8th, it's also a required activity, up to 20 hours per week. Um, that can include walkthrough sessions. And then on August the 9th, fall training camp opens. That includes a five-day acclimation period as well as 
the opportunity for up to 25 on-field practices. Um, Virginia says that the UVA health system will administer and coordinate testing of student-athletes and staff. It's required to report positive tests or cases to the Thomas Jefferson Health District of the Virginia Department of Health and to report all testing results to the athletics program's team physicians. Uh, Prior to the resumption of daily sports functions, all student-athletes and staff will receive COVID-19-specific education through a variety of print and uh, video media utilizing CDC and NCAA resources. Uh, there are protocols in place for all student athletes to return, uh, and that's been coordinated through the health system um, and collaborated with officials at the uh, state, local, and national levels. Um, this is a different conversation, but it really would be nice if the NCAA uh, had any ability to like do something right, because this like lack of a consistent voice nationally, like that's one thing the NBA, the NHL, MLB, even if you hate what's going on with baseball in the current situation. It's something all of those leagues have in common, which is there is some sort of guiding voice. The incidentally could really use one of those. Now, these are voluntary workouts, right? I, I mentioned as I, as I did that rundown that there are required activities that begin on the 15th of July and run through fall training camp. Um, but it's worth noting that this is all voluntary. And when I say that, what I mean by that is, one, if kids don't want to report on this date, they don't have to. They can wait. Um, we can get into, in our discussion, as to you know, how quote unquote voluntary it really is. But the other piece that I found interesting about this and I, and I posted about this on the board is that what, what Virginia is essentially doing here is, is setting up a situation where players understand what is going to be asked of them this season. And if they're not on board with that, that's cool. They don't have to be, they can essentially opt out of this year. Um, they can retain their scholarship uh, provided the NCAA, does go through what everybody expects them to do, which is to basically give student athletes relief and allow them to, to basically have another year of eligibility if they don't participate or if the sport doesn't, um, isn't played, um, then guys could just basically have hit pause on their NCAA clock, come back next year, presumably when things were, you know, less, you know, COVID. Um, so there is, there is at least some, some, I guess you could say uncertainty as to who and what, um, will what things will look like when the team returns this coming weekend going into next week. Um, I guess let's start with a general discussion. Um, is this about what we expected? Dave, you are our COVID-19 special correspondent. Uh, you're the one that, that clearly had <laughs> the this worst possible, the worst possible assignment. You could <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. true. Um, I thought dude stuck at home while you were at the final four was a bad gig. That's one's pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, stuck at home with the bottom war, yeah. Uh, but no, like uh, I just want for complete yeah. tangent. Oh wait, wait, complete tangent. <laughs> Dave has a tendency at times, y'all, to to text us the most depressing crap. All right, Dave will come up with like some. He's talked to some friend who you know yeah, uh, did some sad. stuff, and in fact, whatever. And like, here's what that friend said, and it'll be like, I'll get back to my phone. It'll be like seven texts, and none of those texts make me happy. And I'm always like. <laughs> Jiminy, damn Christmas, man. Like, can I just get through a day without, you know, um, the sad trombone in the background? But anyway, all right. Is this about... I went to buy some fireworks and all the fireworks had COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, is this about what you expected it to be uh, when we started talking about what they were going to do? Yeah, I mean, I I know we've said a little bit on the podcast and we've definitely talked about it off air, but like, um, I mean, I feel like UVA has done a really good job of you know, of protecting the, doing what they can to protect their student athletes. And 
not forcing them to come back earlier than they wanted to and not putting, you know, necessarily, you know, I, they're going to, they want to win games. That's, that's what they're here for, but not making that clearly what they're most interested in. Right. I mean, I feel like their plan is sound. Um, now, now the plan is one thing, like whether or not, you know, they execute it well will be another, but yeah, it, it seems about right. I mean, it's what the speculation was. I know some other schools have kids back already doing voluntary stuff and, you know, at a time when the student athlete maybe doesn't have all the earning power that they, they may may achieve in the next year or two, um, they certainly have a bigger voice than they do. So, you know, again, as we've discussed before, if you're one of those coaches who aren't very close to your players or aren't doing a you know kind of doing some shady things, if you put them at risk, they're going to call you out now. So Don't you're starting your to players' see, names. <laughs> yeah, if you know your players' names, yeah. Um, I mean, you're starting to see there's some players tweeting about, you know, being upset. Not, it's pretty easy to find them because, you know, they're, they're getting retweeted quite a bit. So, you know, selfishly as, selfishly as a fan of UVA, like, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable with, with the football staff, the athletic department, and, and the quality of the medical system here that they're going to do all they can to keep the players safe and, and execute the plan they've laid out for us. Um, but, you know, once the players get back and, you know, things go i'm sure it's not going to be as smooth as they hope it's going to be there's going to be bumps in the road because everyone's trying to figure this out but i am comfortable with the with the staff we have in place to do it right do right by our student athletes um and i mean i don't know know what the adjective is to describe it but like i'm I'm interested to to see how some of the other schools do especially those with with new head coaches and you know and and cultures that are more geared towards results than, than development. Um, yeah. It's going to be a trying time. And like, if, if I'm one of those coaches or if I'm the athletic director of one of those programs and I know my coaches doesn't know all the names and all that stuff. And like, you got to be nervous because that could be a bad look on you. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, it makes sense. Uh, and I guess we'll find out what starts. I guess they'll start coming back Sunday. Um, we'll, we'll see quickly what what lies ahead i like how you said it's going to be trying times as if the last hour many months were trying enough but i i get i get your yeah, point I mean, and right now it's a lot of people dealing with their individual stuff when that's you start true dealing with like team stuff you know a collective that that's a whole different layer of this like it's going to be when virginia goes starts going back to you know when our kids start going back to elementary school um you know we just entered phase three today but like there's different levels of how you're going to learn to deal with this and you can protect, you know, you can be at home and taking care of your family and doing the right thing. But when all of a sudden you're back in public with, with, you know, with John Smith or whoever it is who doesn't think this thing is real and everything else, like, you know, it's a different layer of how to deal with it. And also like, you just kind of hit on it. Like, um, the, you were talking about individual stuff, but like literally like the players right now, all they can do is like individual workouts and stuff. So, like, what's it going to be like when practices start? You know what I mean? Like, if you're not kind of, like, nipping things in the bud and kind of isolating your players, uh, I can only imagine, I mean, because we don't really have a way to measure it, <laughs> but I can only imagine how quickly the virus would spread with people tackling each other and breathing heavily on each other. You know what I mean? So, like, I can't imagine it's going to be any better, but I think if you can establish, you know, the ground rules up front from what you expect from your players and, like, what they ex- should expect from you, um, I think that's a, a huge part of this. And, 
I do really feel like we're at a tipping point between having football and not having football, and it's going to come down to, you know, a few factors. Some of them have already kind of been determined or are out there, um, but then others, it's just going to be behavior and stuff like that. So, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. Fourth of July, another big hurdle coming up, right? So, um, yeah, we'll, I might, we'll talk a lot over the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, hold on, Dave. I want to I want to do a quick PSA. All right, ready? You guys ready for this? Ready? Hi, this is Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Wear your damn mask, okay? Wear your mask when you go to Walmart. Wear your mask when you go to the gas station. Wear your mask when you go to the grocery store. If you leave your house and you're out of your car and you go in another building, wear your mask. Thank you. All right, I just had to do that. Because, quite frankly, it's going to drive me nuts. Like, all right, if you are somebody, and I don't mean to, this is this is like legitimately not political. If you're somebody who thinks that this is all some sort of hoax, wear your mask anyway. Because what's the downside? The downside is you 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 get to be right at the end, and yet the upside is you potentially help save us yeah, all, I, and we get like to have football. One, just to interject, I think people don't think enough about this, and this is not just a COVID-related thing, but just any hard opinion that people have. What if you're not right? Like, what's the downside? If you wear a mask, like, what's the downside of being wrong? You wore a mask, you're a little uncomfortable, you feel like an idiot for having done it. What's the downside if you're wrong and you don't wear one? <laughs> like, because you don't think it matters. Um, yeah. Much worse things. <laughs> so, like, yeah. you know, you I just have to could... think about, like, well, if I do this and this happens the other way, then, you know, I'm going to be in a much worse spot than if I just play it safe right. or whatever. I remain convinced that if the SEC coaches had banded together and put out an ad where they all said into the camera, wear a mask so we can play football, I'm not saying all the all of the states that are having issues right now wouldn't have issues, but I think that there would have been a dramatic impact. And it's in on some level sad, but also just sort of predictable, right? But like I said, I want football. You want football. You're listening to a sports podcast. You want sports to happen, wear your mask. Just wear your mask, right? If you want to wear your mask and your mask says like, you know, this mask is stupid, or you want to talk trash about the political party you don't like, I don't care. Wear your mask. Just wear your mask. Or stay at home. I don't care. Um, no, to, to Dave's point about you know the idea of culture, right? That's something we've talked a little bit about before on the show, and that's one thing you know that I had heard that that there's going to be a contract, and that that is something that that Bronco has taught and 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 the staff have talked to players about that they have actually had Zoom calls with parents about. Essentially, like there's going to be some teeth to this. That essentially guys understand that they're going to be asked to come to school and essentially go to school and play football, and that everything else is extracurricular which is, in a way, why I want to talk recruiting after this particular discussion is over. Um, but I kind of find that fascinating in a sense. Like, I made a comment on the board several days ago that, like, listen, if, if you're a college football coach and you haven't spent the last few months thinking about how exactly you were supposed to implement some, some hardcore sort of regulations or whatever, then you're not very good at your job. Because ultimately, being a college football coach is not just about, like, hey, how can we score a touchdown in this situation? It's also about how am I supposed to get – X number of college kids to go in the same direction at the same time. It's almost like herding cats, right? You got to get them degrees and you got to get them to class and you got to get them, you know, to play good football. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it and a whole lot of it is essentially herding cats, right? And if you haven't been spending the last few months about figuring out like, okay, how am I supposed to get these, you know, um, young dudes to not go out because essentially like that's what the data shows right it's all it's all bars and restaurants man it's when people are going out and doing stuff you think about the schools that have gone back right 
and the number of cases that they've gotten, not in just in general, but since dudes have been back, it's because guys are going out. I mean, that's just the long and short of it. Like, it's not like the virus crept into their dorm while they were, you know, hanging out together playing PlayStation, right? Like, they're they're going out. That's what's happening. And so I think that's one thing that today's point about culture. Ferber, as you look at this dynamic, um, this is obviously very different than the normal situation, right? You know, normally teams would have been back for spring. They would have finished up the semester. They would have gone home for a while. They would have come back. There would have been off-season conditioning they would have been doing together. But there's some, you know, walkthroughs, and you can do some stuff here, Come, you know, on the on the, on the the heels of being able to do stuff on Zoom that you wouldn't have normally been doing before. How confident are you about, let's assume that the season happens as planned, and let's assume that the time frame sticks. Um, how confident are you in what – Virginia has laid out here that they are not at a competitive disadvantage. How do you how do you feel about what uh, what kind of work they're going to be able to get before? You mean like coming back starts? later than other teams? Well, yeah, because there are some schools that have been back. Now, granted, some of them have you know had to stop. Right? Yeah, they haven't been doing anything. <laughs> haven't been doing. They've been sitting back around. and they just had to right? stop immediately. So, but there's also the chance, you know, and this is a real thing, right? The idea that like there's some, you know, you you if you go ahead and get it now, you don't get it later. Now, granted, that to me as a you know, rational human being sounds ridiculous, but that's a thing, right? There's, there's this idea that like, oh, well, if you can go ahead and get it out now, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, it that's the whole September. concept of like herd immunity is like, Correct. Every, if everybody gets it, it doesn't have an impact, then everybody's had it and they won't get it again. <laughs> of course, I would rather have herd, herd immunity against a thing that it apparently, like, and I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news here, but antibodies for this thing don't necessarily seem to stick the way antibodies for other things seem to stick. And if you're asymptomatic, it's even less sticking. Um, not the, I mean, if I'm if this is the first time you heard that, I promise you that's a real thing. I didn't just make that up. Um, but I digress. How do you feel about Virginia's plan, and how confident are you that they'll be able to be prepared come uh, season opening time? I'm actually very confident um, in that part of it. I and it's it's be, honestly it comes down to one thing, and it's I trust Bronco to um, have a good vision, not just for what will be good for the on the field product, but also what's good for the players and their well-being. Because everything he has said um, that I've seen, read, whatever, demonstrates to me that he takes it seriously. He understands the risk. He's not just prioritizing football over everything else. He's clearly laid out with the players, you know, what the expectations are. Um, you know, when, when they're going to come back, coming back later, I think even shows that too. Like, you know, for, if, if a coach really wants to push the envelope, they're probably going to have kids back as soon as they possibly can. UVA took a more cautious approach. Um, at the end of the day, I don't know if that necessarily is going to be a benefit to them to have come back later. Um, I have seen people kind of like voicing the, Hey, like this is kind of a competitive disadvantage to have less days. And that may be so in, in some ways, but I think UVA makes up for that with a few other areas. I mean, for one, Dave has mentioned this a bunch of times, UVA hasn't changed schemes and they've only had one coach leave. So, I mean, like across the board, you have a lot of um, continuity. continuity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't have to worry about that stuff that some other teams have to. And even, even a team like Georgia, for example, like a team that has the same head coach, they're changing offensive coordinators, and they have a transfer quarterback who's never been there before. So, I mean, like, those things matter, too, even if you get to work out a few weeks earlier or something. Um, it's not going to be across the board. And honestly, like, depending on the kind of football program you are anyway, there's different levels of buy-in and, and 
like expectations and everything across the board anyway. So I don't think these two weeks in July, UVA versus like a Houston who came back early and had to quarantine. Um, I don't really think that's a huge disadvantage by the time the season comes around, assuming that the players are doing what they've been asked to do off the field. Um, you know, because they've all been given plans and, and, you know, ideas for what they need to be working on, that sort of thing. So as long as they're sticking with that, or at least as close as you can expect them to, considering they don't have a state-of-the-art weight room probably at their disposal, um, I think that Broncos' plan it will be smart and work um, as well as it can be expected to. Now, I mean, there's going to be bumps in the road. People are going to test positive for covid I feel like it's probably, I don't want to say it's a certainty, but it's a pretty good chance that when they report on Sunday and test people, there are going to be some positive tests. Um, that's fine. You just deal with that the best you can and, and adjust to the reality um, that you can't ignore the reality. You just have to adjust to what it is. And I think that these days that they're missing won't be that big of a deal because I think that they usually have a pretty good plan for fall camp. And I think that by the time the season rolls around, um, you know, I think they'll be in a in a pretty good spot. And and honestly, if the schedule stays the way it is, I think that, you know, you open with Georgia, and then you have VMI and UConn, and then you go to Clemson. So it's like we might not even really know a lot about this team anyway until the fifth game because to me that looks like two and two. Um, I mean, obviously the margins and everything can can make you feel one way or another about how they're doing, but they are going to have a, a bit of an acclimation process, even though it doesn't seem that way with Georgia out of the gate. But having those next two games against VMI and UConn, um, no disrespect to those programs, but those should be wins. And then you kind of can go to Clemson and, you know, you don't really, that's kind of like a, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to win that game. It's kind of like free money if you do. So, I mean, house money, I guess you should say so. Um, I think they'll be able to acclimate assuming that the schedule stays according to plan. And I, I, I have a lot of faith in the coaching staff to execute a well-orchestrated plan. One thing that has been kind of on my mind since spring ball was canceled and, um, you, you know, they started doing everything over Zoom. Kelly Papinga made a comment. Um, God, I don't know what month that was. I don't know what month it is now. Um, there was a comment at some point that he said, you know, they're essentially able to do a lot more now over Zoom than they would have been under normal circumstances when guys were um, maybe taking the time off before they came back for summer session and that kind of thing. And they were able, you know, he was able to actually do a lot, even though the big deficit wasn't just the reps they lost during spring, but also the chance to have those reps on film. So then they could work, you know, off of them as they, you know, went about their summer workouts. Um, But I've been kind of thinking about that a lot about the idea of like how much more work or how much more, maybe not work's not the right word how much more productive they could be in some ways than they were previously, even though they were giving up significant productivity at other times. This is going to be, let's assume it happens, right? This is going to be one of those seasons where raw ability is only going to get you so much. I think your points about, you know, not having much transition, right? So there's a lot of consistency for this program is, are well taken. Like, if you're a team with a new coordinator or heaven forbid two new coordinators and you got to make us all work uh, in a very short amount of time, um, that seems daunting. And it seems like this season specifically, every challenge that you face is going to feel like, um, you know, like gravity is, has been turned up. Everything is going to be harder, right? So if you don't have that culture, you don't have, um, you know, that continuity, it's going to be difficult for a lot of people. 
that being said, Virginia does have to transition quarterbacks, and that is a big deal, right? One of the things Virginia loses by not having gone back sooner, not been able for guys to at least be in the same place, even if they were just on their own recognizance, essentially doing off-season stuff, right, just out there throwing – that's that's a thing. Like that's a real thing. So I wonder, as a, we, you know, we we've done a lot of talking about QB one and Thompson versus Armstrong and everything. Like that is the one place that gives me pause. And I would imagine that knowing Bronco Mendenhall the way at this point that I do, um, that dude is chomping at the bit to not just get his guys, you know, on grounds and participating in some sort of activity together, but also to you know, he's probably, I think I heard Snowden say something like this on a Zoom once, that like he's he's probably in some ways excited about the challenge that this presents, right? Now, let's transition the conversation over to um, something the Ivy League put out today, um, which essentially amounted to, hey, we're going to have an announcement about the fall um, within the next week. Yeah, the announcement of the announcement. Yeah, which is a total recruit move right here here's my edit to tell you about when i'm going to announce my my commitment um but anyway no the commute the, the the move would be announce your top eight <laughs> like i'm gonna an edit to announce that i'm announcing yeah. it here's eight. my yeah that's right so basically the ivy league is saying that they're going to have an announcement within a week about what's going to happen to their fall season and we were talking about this earlier offline um the idea that like of all the leagues right because of who teams in the Ivy play because of the location and kind of juxtaposing that with where outbreaks are and are not, they would seem like the one who could actually make this work. Right. Um, but there seems to be a consensus among us. Uh, and you guys can correct me here if I'm wrong, that they're going to announce that they're going to not play their out of league games and just focus on their league um, with probably some other parameters and that kind of thing. Or they're just going to come out and say they're not going to play. And because they were the league, they got mocked for for canceling their tournament when they did, and then within what seventy two hours, everybody else had canceled too. Um, you know, maybe this is a precursor of what's to come. I, I, I want to draw back because Fur was talking a minute ago about you know the season and starting two and two, but what if it's just conference schedule? Like, right? What if there are no non conference games and all that time is just practice time um, to get basically get everybody on the same page, make sure people are you know, in their own bubbles and whatnot. Um, for the record, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be tracking COVID announcements. Like if, if you hear a rumor about so-and-so player tested positive for COVID, I'm not going to be chasing that down. And if that causes Dave's you pause, um, <laughs> Dave's on it. <laughs> but like, if that causes you pause, I'm sorry, but that's just not going to be a thing I'm going to do. Like if the university puts out some sort of like, I don't know. And I can't imagine with HIPAA that they would, um, you know, we'll, we'll just get, you know, so-and-so's out with an illness and we'll just all know. But anyway, I digress. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be, it's going to be pretty obvious, I think. Yeah, that's know. right. You know, starting. And people will be a lot doing, of lower extremity well, injuries. Yeah. <laughs> well, people will be doing this recruiter <laughs> film thing too, when they start like practicing and like trying to figure out who's not out there. Who's not out there. Stuff yeah. Stuff like that. And just like injuries, over they, they don't have numbers. So yeah, great. another, <laughs> another, not numbers, another they're gonna classic, really help you out. no number thing. That's right. Yeah, that's, See, this now is they're going to tell us a thing. This is going to be one of those situations where, like, literally, like, I am the only one who knows because I, you know, go to these practices where they don't have numbers on, right? Um, and you have to start paying attention to, like, oh, that dude's wearing, uh, you know, that dude's yeah. wearing these color cleats, Whoa. and he's also got whatever. Um, so last year, last year at the first practice, um, 
<laughs> there was, you know, like the quarterbacks are warming up. The quarterbacks have the orange jerseys on because they're non-contact or whatever. Um, and they're warming up. Pretty obvious who Bryce Perkins is. Uh, and then you have Lindell Stone and Brennan Armstrong, like, throwing. And they don't look exactly the same. Like, I don't think – like, I'm, I was easily able to tell them apart. Um, and one of the beat writers who will remain nameless was like, who is that guy that's throwing the ball? And I was like, Brennan Armstrong. And they were like, I thought the other guy was Brennan Armstrong. I'm like, no, Brennan Armstrong is left-handed. That's one of the only pieces of information I have to go on. That's true. Like that, yeah. And they were like, oh, okay. And I was like, you can't yeah, quite, that's, you that's can't like literally the only that thing that I know. Yeah, like literally the only thing I know is that he's left-handed. And if, if you don't have that information, you're in a much worse spot than I am. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, all right. So let's assume that a season happens, but it's not what we think it is. And, and for the purposes of justice discussion, I'm, I'm going to allow some pessimism and I'm going to allow Dave to go first because Dave's going to hit us with it. Uh, don't crush our entire souls, Dave. Just leave us a, a little bit of soul to have. Okay. But, but realistically, my question here is like, what does that change? Now, granted, that means four less games. I get it. But like in terms of, finding out about Virginia's team this year, getting QB one, let's assume the schedule would be exactly as it is. It just, you, you just literally took the non-conference games off. Right. And if there was a non-conference game somewhere during the season, it just became a bye week Right. What, what, what would you even think about Virginia? Right. Because as it stands right now, that would mean Virginia would open the season at Clemson on September 26th. Right. They would get, then get Carolina at home, yeah. and they go to Georgia Tech, and then they get a week off, presumably, because they wouldn't get Old Dominion. And then they would get Miami, and then they'd have um, Louisville at home, and both Louisville. of those games at home, before they get uh, to Duke on a Friday night. Um, they'd have to change around the schedule, though, right? I mean, well, yeah, I, they would have would to they? because other teams. Because some teams too. open up their league schedule the first day of the season. Like, right, yeah. but but who's to say that that wouldn't necessarily would, – because, I mean, here's the thing. is like if you want to open up that can of worms, certainly you can. But I I could totally see, see a scenario where they essentially say every other week is basically just a bye week, and your season starts when you play your first conference opponent. Isn't that the most uniform, easiest way to do it for everybody? No, because UVA starts their conference schedule a month after some other teams. But that's my point, right? Like, ha- if you wanted to try to move the thing around, right, and you certainly could, but wouldn't then you also be putting yourself at a disadvantage come the end of the season, right? You You... You're essentially yeah, saying, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. You I see what I mean? Like, I think the only they would just way, have to move some games around. Like, the only yeah. way uh, that you could really yeah. do it and you're going to move some stuff around is assuming that the end of your season could end early November, end of October, potentially, depending on who you're playing and what your situation is, right? And then you got all of that time off before conference championships and bowls, which, let's be real, is exactly the thing that these leagues care about because in all of the years that they've ever needed, the, every single one of those contracted games to happen and be on television, this is the year. This is absolutely the year. I could 1,000% see them just saying, everybody's schedule just stays the same. You just don't play any of your non-conference opponents, and whenever you start is when you start. Because that's the only way uniformly to do it and make sure that it always ends at the place that they hope by that point in the season, right? Because they've already planned. Most of the schools, everybody's saying, hey, you're going to go home for Thanksgiving and kids aren't coming back, right? Like at that point, you're hoping that you get to and there is some sense of normalcy. There's some, you know, whether it's therapeutics that got, people are taking for the virus or whether there may be, you know, by some stroke of luck is a actual vaccine by the end of 2020. Like you're hoping you get there and there's some normalcy. 
Um, but let's just take let's let's take yeah. the, the scheduling part of it off. Let's just say that Virginia opens its season against Clemson, and that's all we get is just those eight games. What does that mean to you, Dave? I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Deal <laughs> or no deal? Yeah, it means I'll take football over no football. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that it's any. I mean, it's going to be hard to make a bowl <laughs> if you're only playing eight games in the ACC because, you know, when you're playing Clemson as one of them, that means you're really only playing seven conference games. And um, I don't know. It'll, I don't know how to answer that question, Brad. Like, I mean, like I think Justin kind of alluded to to it earlier. Well, he did allude to it. I don't know that. Like, if Virginia had come back a month ago and had people there for voluntary workouts and had spring ball. I don't know if the record would be different after four games and if they do what they're doing now and even get delayed a little bit because of positive tests. Like, they're probably going to be two and two after the first four games of the schedule as it sits. Um, counting the non conference games. Yeah, counting if they play the regular schedule, right? So, that all said, like, you know, if they just play the conference schedule, I, I don't know that it'll change, you know. I don't really know what you're asking there, Brad. I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, let me let, then let me explain. Okay. So if you if you open the season with Georgia, we're all assuming that's a loss. But by September yes. the 12th and 19th, you get VMI UConn. By the time you go to Death Valley end of September, there are a lot of knowns about your team. Now we can talk about you know winning X number of games in a season, what that you know could mean for the program and blah blah blah. But the reality is is that in terms of the ACC. None of that matters. But what it does do is it gets you to a place that by the time you get on the bus to go play that game against Clemson, even if you're going to get run over, you still have a much better idea about who you are. You have a clearer idea about who should be doing what. You have a much firmer idea on if your assumptions going into the season when you did not have spring football now actually mattered, whether you were right or whether you were wrong. Right? Yeah. That yeah, means that to me that by the time they get to go to Atlanta in October, right, second week of October, they they get to they have a actually have a buy between playing Carolina at home and going um, to Bobby Dodd, right. That by the time you go to Bobby Dodd, you should ha- you could be in a situation if it's just conference games, and again, assuming that the the schedule stays what it is and they don't move things around, that by that point you're barely down just scratching service because you've opened at Clemson and then you come back the next week and play Carolina at home, two of the best teams, probably the two best teams on your schedule from that point forward, right? So by the time you go to Atlanta, who are you? That's a very different conversation if you have those first three games of the season, right? And then there's the flip side, which is if we're going to say that ODU isn't happening, right, and we are going to assume that all of the games stay the same, which you guys both think that I'm crazy for thinking that that's a possibility, right? Well, then you could play Clemson. Yes. <laughs> you could play Carolina, right? You could be off. Yeah. You could play Georgia Tech, and then you could be off two weeks, and then you get two games at home. It's a, it, it suddenly is not just the weirdest year, but it's also cl- easily the weirdest schedule, right, because of just the way yeah. time breaks down. So the reason I'm asking the question is because I'm, I'm trying to compare what I think we would find out about UVA and what, what kind of knowns and, and sort of um, how things would kind of flesh out in reality versus this potential reality. And I understand that like, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen with football season. Let's be real. But I'm just trying to, I'm, that's kind of the comparison I make. Yeah. And, the, and the point is really okay. for me, is it like, 
if they're going to go to Clemson on September 26th, I feel a lot better about their potential to steal that game or to play competitively in that game if they have played three games before that, even if one of them was in Atlanta and they got, you know, bulldozed by Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, in that hypothetical world, yeah. I mean, I guess it's better than not having played because if, if we're going to go with your scheduling model where they play what, play what they have, Clemson will be playing game three when we roll to Clemson for our first game. Exactly. So, like, they will... Look, we saw what Virginia did after a, you know, having Perkins at the top of his game and the team coming off a high. We saw what Clemson did to them in a neutral field, um, pretty easily. Ahead now, so I you know it's really funny. Issue, Hold on, yeah. you know what's really funny? I just realized how many coaches would love to have the film that they would have on Clemson, then and knowing Clemson had zero film on you. Like there are definitely coaches. Yeah, see, that's I bet the you... thing. It, it cuts both ways. It does. Like on the one, it depends on what you are. Because if you're UVA, like last year, I would say you would almost rather, and it kind of did work to their benefit because they did play a league game the first game of the season. Yeah. Um, it helps you probably to you already know who you are. You have Bryce Perkins back for his senior year. Other teams probably know who you are too, but I think you're almost better off not playing and not having any film. Because yeah, I mean, you I, know what you yeah. are, but when you don't, when you're breaking in a new quarterback and stuff like that, you probably need to, like Brad said, kind of work the kinks out over three games, even if you lose one of them or two of them. Um, that's yeah, probably I mean, better than not. But if you don't know who you are at all, you definitely want those three games. If you're who got a new coach this year, um, Baylor, like you definitely don't want to open up like with no games under your belt against like a Clemson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know. If it were to look, look at Georgia Tech last year, I mean, they opened at Clemson first game of a new coach. So. Yeah, poor guy. I mean, if you're opening up against the Carolina, you know, a team that you should be competitive against, you know, even though they're going to be a tad better, I think it probably makes more of a deal than if you're opening up against Clemson, who's returning like ETN <laughs> yeah. and Lawrence, you know. <laughs> I don't know a little bit of film. Maybe you keep it close to a quarter. Um, that's just a different animal. But I mean, I think the bigger issue if you played it in, in this hypothetical schedule would be overreaction from how bad you lose to Clemson, costing you the game against Carolina. Um, you know, because you you got no time to prepare. You're going to get banged up. You're, you know, if, let's say, Brennan's a starter at, in that Clemson game, hypothetically, um, the hypothetical Clemson opener, you know, if he has a bad game, are you tempted to pull, you know, to bring Keaton in against against Carolina? Do, do you overreact? Because the Carolina game is kind of big if you look at, you know, it's big, period. But if you're only playing the conference game, the Carolina game, it's it's very big if you want to win the Coastal. Um, probably the so, biggest game of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think either way it probably is because your, your season swings. You can have a good season losing Clemson, Georgia, and Carolina or Clemson, Carolina in this case, but you can't have a very good season. Um, so it's a, it's a swing game, and that would be my thing. Like, I, I don't think it matters against Clemson um, short of, you know, Barring no injuries because Clemson will have played twice, but Clemson should be rolling at that point. And you know, well, we know, we we saw what they have, um, and we even saw some of the backups we'll see later in that game. So we know we know it's not like Sisters of the Poor once they get to the first, you know, the two deep. Um, but yeah, that, if you overreact and cost yourself the Carolina game because you don't know what you really have, that'd be a problem. Um, but, yeah, see, I'd rather I'd rather get Clemson out of the way in this scenario. 
Um, you're not beating. I mean, like, and like, I'm not saying never say never, but say never. Like, you're not beating them. So, just move on from that. Learn what you can against the best possible competition. Because I'd much. I mean, playing North Carolina second kind of sucks too. But imagine if they open with like Miami first, and it's like, yeah. all right, this is a game that you could win or could lose. Miami could be good or they could be average. Um, and you lose it. It's like, damn, like. We got we a lot better as we got a lot better as the season went along. Like we could have beaten them if we'd gotten them later. Um, yeah, y'all, y'all are calling me like David Downer, but like y'all have come up. We have two possibilities in this in this hypothetical world we're creating. We either open with Georgia or we open with Clemson. <laughs> Is there <laughs> yeah. something else we can help? <laughs> the COVID of football skills. Can can we play like every yeah? One thing I have thought not to get off. It, they're just going to play BMI and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I do think the conference only schedule makes sense, you know, just because, you know, if you're going to put yourself at risk, put it, you know, towards standings for your league to qualify for playoff and everything else, right? Um, and you can eliminate all of the discrepancies between one league to another, where it's like, like what goes on in the Big Twelve doesn't affect your season anymore. Yeah, but like, I, but I you think don't have you... to like oh we lost like so and so lost two games off their schedule because these teams didn't play, but another team yeah. didn't lose any games. Like you don't have to deal with any of that crap. Yeah. And then you've got more flexibility. So if you get like halfway through the year and there's an outbreak, you can say, Hey, we're taking everyone's this in this game. So we're all going to have seven games or whatever it is. Um, but anyway, and they've already you, talked about moving the conference championship back a week or two if they had to, which would be yeah. fine. You could add like another game. And like we were talking about through text, like you don't necessarily like, let's say you move it back a week. Um, and you have that week that would have been the conference championship for makeup games. Like if you're yeah. able to do that, you don't have to make up every game. Like if Georgia Tech and Duke didn't play, you don't have to make that up. No, like, no, not you could, relevant. but like you only need to make up games that are relevant to the standings, like baseball does at the end of the season. Yeah, the one interesting thing, my last talk, my, my last comment on the scheduling thing, the one interesting aspect you could get if you did conference only is you then could look at playing every other week everyone playing every other week for eight, you know, so yeah, six, you know, basically a 15 week season, which you play, you test players after the game. They've got 14 days to quarantine if they test positive, and then they might be able to be available for the next game. Um, yeah. You know, especially after travel, I does, I do think it gives you a little more flexibility. Um, Dang, did you read that somewhere? Or did you just come up with that? No, I just came up with that. Dang, um, but that's actually really smart. I just don't know how much it means because it, you know, if he's if you're positive, you're not going to be practicing for two weeks, so you're probably not playing the next game. But I think it does gives you time to make sure you don't have someone positive like the day of a game or or something like that. Um, but yeah, where the, I mean, at 15 weeks, I'd have to do the math. I think if you started the, if you started opening week, you'd have to redo schedules, right? Um, but if you started opening week, you'd probably push. I guess the season in around the same time, right? You played every other week. Um, maybe a yeah. week later. Yeah. It's a. I mean, normally it's a 14 game schedule with two buys, 13 with one. This is a 13 years, 13 week season because it's a later start. All right. So yeah, so you know, normally they, they've been starting in August, but this week, I mean, you, this year UVA doesn't play till September 7th. So yeah. So I don't know. I mean, but I don't lot, think there's going to be bowl games anyway. So just play into December if you have to. Like, well, the one thing, yeah. the one thing that. Um, you know, to your point, Dave, about, you know, if you take out the non-conference games and you're only focusing on games that matter, it's not just, it's also the fact that, like, then then your then you're cross-contamination, um, so to speak, right? So, like, 
oh, you're playing UConn, which played so and so, which play, you know what I mean? Like if you take yeah, out it's like the less ways it crosses, basically you're 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 creating a bubble, which in reality, because all of these schools are spread all up and down the East Coast, is kind of pointless. But in terms of com- competition, you're not worried about like you you played this, and so there's this you know this like ripple effect. Um, if you if you did just conference games, essentially you're kind of keeping to yourself. And so to Perver's point, like yeah, what happened to Big Twelve literally doesn't impact you, right? Because you're not going to see them. Um, but at the same time, you know it is it you know it is in some ways Debbie Downer because it's less football. But the reality is is that to me. Right. Like the more that you play, um, the more obviously, you know, seat reps you get, the more you find out about yourself. Um, I don't know. I, I tend to think that um, teams like UVA, even with a quarterback change because of the continuity, because of the amount of culture and stuff, I do think that, that tends to um, that tends to benefit them. Of course, if you're Clemson or if your team with like, you know, bat crap crazy athletes right like good luck trying to like prepare for them um when you don't you know when you're not really going as you know getting as much on the field stuff against you know non um you know against competition that isn't wearing the same jerseys as you um but i just feel like as as we talk about this and and, you know the possibility of it being a reality i just feel like by that time that they would theoretically get to, you know, play Carolina or get to Atlanta, man, it, it would one feel like the season is mostly over and it would be, but then two, like there's a lot that they would have. There's a lot of work, a lot of heavy lifting that would have to happen. Um, and to me, that is a different sort of reality than if they do get those two t- sort of tune up games, no disrespect to VMI or UConn, but that's sort of just the reality of the situation, especially at this point, given this roster and how, sort of um, mature it is, right? Other than quarterback, and maybe you could put cornerback in that place, right? Name a position where you need to see X, Y, and Z. Certainly we want to see what the offensive line can do and what that means for the running game, but we pretty much know the players on the offensive line, right? We know who's going to be in the, in the mix. We know what the running back room is going to look like. We know that they're un, you know unproven wide receivers. We know how good the defense is going to be. For Virginia, there are just so many knowns that – Thinking about this versus what the reality could be if they played a, their normal schedule is just interesting to me. Um, we're 50 minutes in, and we have not talked about the recruiting thing that I promised we talked about. Um, I do just want to touch on that real, at least briefly. Um, so at this point, the NCAA has pushed out the dead period again, um, so no visits. And it certainly seems like, in talking to different recruits recently, that I think that the best way for me to phrase this is to say it like this. I think that it is very likely that coaches do not want, nor will they allow, if they have their druthers, recruiting during the season. Like, they don't want visits. They don't want to have to worry about bringing players and parents in for visits during the season. So, I don't know what that means for recruiting uh, in the traditional sense. I don't know what that, you know, what the NCAA will do with signing periods and that kind of thing. But it certainly feels like that once this, if this, if the ship gets off the ground, they're not going to want to come down and pick anybody up, right? They want to stay in the air until the thing is done and then worry about recruiting, Um, which, you know, breaking news is a very different reality than literally any recruiting cycle has ever existed in, right? Um, So I guess in some ways it's good that Virginia has a lot of uh, hay in the barn, 
But at the same time, I, I'm curious what you guys think of that. Like, let's say let's say there is no quote unquote in season recruiting. So all of these kids who've been waiting so many months to take visits have to wait even longer. They essentially do away with the early signing period. Um, I guess they theoretically could make it open for guys who are already committed, but the vast majority of guys would would go into the the second phase, uh, and they push that back later, right? Like, so let's say instead of the traditional date, let's say it's sometime in April, right? Um, Dave, what do we think of that? What what what's your initial reaction to a possibility of Virginia having to essentially focus on the season in season and then focus on recruiting just once the season is over? Um, you like it? Do you hate it? Do you not care about it? How do you feel about it? I mean, it's the timing's weird, right? Because if you start thinking about, I mean, I could talk twenty minutes about this because it's something that's affecting like my job right now, like, my business. Um, you know, you've got like what the college is going to do, and then you've got what the high schools are going to do. And I can tell you with not a hundred percent confidence, that, but very good confidence that there will not be a high school Virginia high school football season until at least December. Um, and the, the calendar they're playing with now is playing from practice, starting practice in December, starting games in January, playing through March. So like assuming other States follow a similar model and you don't like, that's a big assumption because some States are just going to play. Um, you're going to have recruits at different parts too. And like, that's a whole nother layer of this thing. Um, which not only affects like when recruits are available, like when is it? You know, do you want them coming on campus if they've been around all their teammates at school? Do they want to come to campus in their middle of the season? You know, if their season's in the spring, certainly they're not going to roll in January if they're playing in, you know, playing in that season. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts there. But to me, I think, and this is not an indictment of, you know, and this is not to be a slap in the face to the kids who work so hard to be where they are. But, like, it, it's got to be what it's got to be. And if it means like having your regular son, you know, I, I don't see the point of doing away with early signing period. If guys are ready to sign to me, you should just start saying, Hey, starting early signing period was a December, whatever from this point until whenever sign th- that signing day this year, sign when you're ready. Um, you know, I'm a little worried that, that schools are kind of put pressure on guys and say, Hey, you can sign with us today. Or we're going to give your spot away, but in the reality is that happens now, and, and you know, you know, there's players, players getting forced to make decisions before they want to anyway. Um, I don't like the idea of recruits taking visits this year. It just seems like an unnecessary risk. Um, you know, a lot of what you go on your visit for is not just meeting with the team. It's like, you know, honestly, it's being a teenager and getting to go to college parties, right? Um, so it just seems like a bad mix for this year. And I feel bad for these seniors. I felt bad for the seniors, the high school seniors last year lost their spring seasons. Like it's just a crappy time. Like you've got the right to be upset about it. But I think for for the big picture, that's just the way it's gotta be this year. You you know, it I'd like, you know, if you don't wanna make a decision without an official visit, then I think you've got to wait till the college football season's over, have visits after what maybe was, you know, traditional signing day in the past. Um, and I think you get the coaches to sign up, you know, if you can get everyone on board with it and make it a kind of an NCAA wide thing, then it takes some of the pressure off the kids to make decisions, um, which maybe goes against my first plan to just have signing day open. But yeah, to me, it, it sounds like, you know, it's important for those kids, but 
ultimately it's probably the least important thing they need to worry about right now. Um, because if they can't play football at all this year, there's not going to be as much money for these scholarships next year. And then you have to add on the top, the layer of schools having potentially support and, you know, they're in five classes or six classes worth of scholarships. If they end up getting the extra year, like we saw in the spring sports. So, man, can we just go back to playing games? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I enjoy talking about it because there's so many things, but man, it's just it's so simple when we just had to complain about losing to UMBC. <laughs> okay, first off, I still no, I'm I'm, I'm not going off on that tangent. Ferber, what about you? What do you what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just a lot of balls in the air. Like it, these things are all so tied together. It's hard when you like try to untie the knot to figure out where everything goes. Um, I would say, yeah, I think a lot of schools are going to be in a situation where they're going to have to decide: Do we want to take kids that we're not sure about like we you know there were borderline offers or we haven't offered them yet but you know we wanted this guy but we couldn't get him in on a visit he committed to another school you know you're not identifying more people through their senior year because there is no senior year to i like you know evaluate um so there's a lot of things like that so i think some schools will have to decide like do we want to just take flyers on on players that we're like 50 50 on or do we want to just take a smaller class and just take the guys that we like a lot? You know, if that's only 17 guys instead of 23 guys, we'll make it up next year. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a decision they'll have to make. Budgets are another thing that Dave just brought up. But also, um, to be honest with you, like, and, and you guys know this, but we talked about it last week, a lot of these players are not evaluated as seniors. They're evaluated as juniors, sophomores, et cetera. Um, like we we tried to list off all the guys that UVA offered late based on like their senior year and it was not that many. Um, you know, we I can't even remember. Chris Peace was like one that came to mind. Um, in this previous class, there was one guy I think, Demick Starling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that was it. Dontavian Wicks was one, but I mean I think a lot of the guys you have on your board, you just might have to start offering guys that you were a little bit further down your list, and figure it out, and then they have to make the decision to commit without coming. Um, I mean, offhand, how many of UVA's, uh, how many commits does UVA have now? Like 15? Um, I'd say like what, almost half of them probably haven't been to Charlottesville. Um, I know some of those guys took visits to games or junior days or whatever, but like Josh McCarron, I don't think he ever came to Charlottesville. He's from Washington state. Um, and there's other guys around like Jacob Rodriguez, um, my question is like, does that impact them? down the road does it become one of these things where it's like because a lot of a lot of players commit to schools without having seen it but then they go see them um at some point right uh you have a fit with the coaching staff you have a connection with your recruiter you commit um you want your spot and then later on you go do your due diligence and sometimes it doesn't work out um so what happens like you know i I wonder if there's going to be like and i know there's already been a lot like i wonder how many decommits we're going to have late in the cycle not necessarily UVA, but just across the board, um, because guys like committed early and then they get close to signing day and they get cold feet because they're like, I don't really know what I committed to. Um, that's you know one of my big questions. And then what does that mean for the rest, like everybody else? I think UVA will probably always have fewer decommits than most schools because, um, for one, I don't think they take a lot of guys that they then turn away later. Uh, they've done it 
But, I mean, they just don't do it at the level that a lot of, like, SEC schools do. They also don't really seem to take a lot of players that are academic risks that they have to drop late and replace. Um, and, honestly, a lot of guys, if you're if you're committed to UVA as they are, I, they're a lot better now than they were wins and losses-wise. But you're kind of committed to something that you're bought into, not necessarily like a hype machine. Um, so, and there's nothing wrong with, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with other schools and how they do their recruiting, but I think UVA's average commit is probably a little bit more bought in to what they're doing and not like chasing a big offer, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think UVA will be okay, but across the board, it's just going to be weird, but it's everything's weird, weird this year. We're just going to have to accept. I mean, we just, I said this a few weeks ago, we just have to like, people are talking about like what's fair for football, like when players come back versus another school, so on and so forth. You're just going to have to accept that if there's going to be football or basketball or whatever, um, there is going to be inherent unfairness. I mean, you're going to have players test positive for COVID. Um, you're going to have some schools that have to stop practicing for a while, or maybe have to miss a game or, you know, who knows? I mean, there's just so many factors, but your other alternative is just saying, ah, it's not fair across the board, so we just won't play. I mean, there's there's inherent unfairness in every season. Um, star players get hurt, suspended, uh, go pro early, unexpectedly. Um, who like there's stuff that ha- monsoons ruin games, like you know <laughs> like, that sort of stuff yeah. matters. Like I mean, you can't pretend like none of that stuff happens in a regular year. So this is just like one more big wrinkle on top of all that other stuff. One thing that I was thinking about when I decided I want to talk about this was in talking to different kids in the spring, so let's say early spring, it was very apparent to me that for them, virtual visits, um, the chance to, to, to talk to more coaches and have that sort of um, access was okay. And they were able to make their decisions without, without fail. But it was almost like there was like a bell curve. And then after we got to a certain point, that thing fell off a shelf, right? And so now it, they're just – basically these kids are just stuck. The ones who are not committed are sort of stuck in limbo. They don't feel comfortable enough to commit. To Ferber's point about decommitments, um, these kids right now, they don't feel comfortable enough without visits to feel like they can make a decision. It's very possible that for the vast majority of these kids – who don't feel like they know enough about the schools they want to choose, that essentially they could take what amounts to no visits, no meaningful visits. Because, I mean, if you think about when this all hit, I mean, it was right amidst the, you know, the start of real junior days, right? Maybe a handful of schools got some in. Virginia got pretty much one in. But by and large, like, there was no real junior day opportunities. There's no... You know, spring practice was is a goldmine when it comes to visits and guys being able to go and 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 to to something that Bronco likes to say all the time. He likes guys to come and see them work because he he wants them to understand what they're getting into. It's not just about like oh, you know, coach so and so is really cool and texts me a lot. It's also like oh, this is what they do. Do I want to do that? Um, they miss spring practices and the chance to visit them. They miss the opportunity to come to camps. And be able to be coached by these coaches on a you know on a one to one basis. If you if you have any doubt about how much of that can impact a kid, I, I talked to a kid from Roanoke, James um, Jackson today, or I ran the story today, um, and he essentially said like that was something that really stood out to him was the way that they coached him, the way that they you know prioritized really teaching these kids in in that setting. Um, for them, the idea that they wouldn't be able to go to college campuses during the season and watch games like. 
I run a recruiting website and I have no idea what recruiting looks like in for these kids in this cycle. Uh, and that, look, there are a host of much more important things, right? There are people who are sick. There are people who are dying. There are people who are having to choose between, you know, being around their families or going to help people. I, and I'm not in any way, shape or form trying to connect dots here and say like, Oh, the kid who can't go through his recruitment normally sucks. But like my kid is, 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 is going to turn six next week. And she didn't get to have like basically kindergarten. You know, she didn't get to do all these fun things and my heart breaks for her, but she's going to be okay. And yes, the kids who are going to go through this, it's very different. It, and I'm, I don't mean that they're not going to be okay. It just sucks. And it's hard to sort of map out in terms of the way that this whole structure works. Um, if these things don't happen, what does it look like? I genuinely don't know. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because like, yes, it's good that Virginia's in a position where the class is, you know, in a really good spot. Obviously there are a lot of kids in this class that they like a lot. They did not have the coaches did not have the opportunity to, to bring kids to camp and have them work out. So a lot of the offers that they are going to extend, especially today's point, if there is no, you know, you know, high school football as we know it, right? A lot of these are going to be, I don't want to say flyers because that's not the right term, but in this day and age, let's just say much less reasonable offers, right? Offers that go out based on much more just potential than what they actually see. And I don't know how good that is for kids, and I don't know how good it is for rosters, and I don't know what the NCAA should do about that in terms of allowing for kids to transfer. That's a conversation we've had a number of times and something they have not moved forward on just yet. Seems like something they want to move forward on soon. But the reason I brought it all up is because as we go forward, there's a very real chance that there, you know, people are always like, oh, you know, who's visiting? Like, there could be no visits. Like, it, see, football season could literally be just football. And that could be taken away from you at any point. Um, a lot of these visits, you know, it might be in the in these kids' best interest to wait until the first of the year anyway. Um, but the long and short of it is, is that I genuinely think there were so many kids who were ready to commit, and now there are a bunch of kids who are just stuck in limbo, and they have no idea when they're getting out. And I worry that a lot of them are going to make decisions that they feel like they just have to make, even though they're not decisions that they want to make. And I don't know what all of that means for everybody involved, including the recruits. And, and that, that, uh, that is such a positive way to end, uh, a, a very good edition of the podcast. You guys got anything else before, uh, before we wrap up? No, I mean, I think you brought it down pretty good. Um, I was trying to be positive the whole podcast pretty much. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're worried about no, getting, I mean, you're yeah, worried about Brad's getting like, don't be negative Dave. And then he just drops, you know, bomb after no, bomb. I mean, I just think, I mean, I think the way I'm approaching looking at this and I think maybe it's the wrong way, but I personally, th it's a way I, I, I think it's a way to look at it is like, we're, we're coming at it as sports fans who want to see college football and, you know, other fall sports and spring sports and all that stuff. But you have to realize, like, we're talking college sports, right? Like, the NCAA has beat it over your head that these are amateurs. They cannot force this thing to happen if there's any public health or, you know, individual health risk that they cannot control. Um, so who knows what this looks like a month from now when everyone's back. Who even two weeks from now even when everyone's back and now all of a sudden we're getting wide, you know, wider spread testing than we've seen so far and, you know, variations of responses and 
And then as you get into late July, you know, even though colleges aren't going to start till August and maybe a little later in some cases, as students start to come back to their off-campus dorms as they do as students and stuff starts spreading, like there's going to be at some point a tipping point, um, positive or negative, that's going to force the NCAA to decide, hey, this just does, the optics of this really hurt our case about amateurism. And I'm afraid that's what ultimately is going to decide how this goes. Um, I mean, the NCAA is going to have to give up a lot of cards it, it tries to play in all the lawsuits. Not, to, I mean, they already canceled the NCAA tournament, which at the time, you know, was a crazy sequence of events that led to that. But if you had asked me like a year ago if they would ever do that, I would have been like, not unless there's no basketballs or something. <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. <know? laughs> I couldn't have imagined a situation where they would have done that, you know? Yeah. The only thing I used to think would, you know, I remember thinking this driving back from Greensboro, that the only thing I could ever have thought, even then, that would cancel the NCAA tournament was like terrorism, right? Or some, you know, yeah, exactly, specific right, where threat. it's like not safe to be outside, you know? And ultimately, you know, it's not safe, right? It's not safe. You know, folks are being attacked, whether, you know, you got your tinfoil hat or not. You know, like that's the reality. So no, I know. I and look, I'm not trying to drop bombs. I, I I just think that as we talk about recruiting, you know, it it does. I mean, there are a, you know, you think there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to the season. I mean, recruiting's even more so, um, at least in my opinion. And I understand that, like, I'm a little bit maybe I've got a different vantage point on it because of what I do. But I'm talking to these kids, man, and I can just hear it in their voices. Like they, it's not necessarily that they don't like. Like, for example, the Jackson kid, like, I think he knows where he wants to go, right? I think the Mort kid knows where he wants to go. But I also think that, like, they understand that, like, without those visits, they can't really know. And it almost, it's almost like it makes them, it, like, upsets them that they haven't had the chance. Jackson kid even basically says that, right? He's like, hey, I feel like if I had been able to take in-person visits, this thing would be done. And if you think about it, like, this is a, you know, everybody's dealing with their own stress and I'm certainly not trying to minimize anybody else's and lift up anybody else's. I'm just talking about their specific situation. But like, these are kids who, you know, they have to be worrying that like offers are just going to dry up, right? That, that schools are going to pull them. They have to be worried that like, Oh, what does it mean if I can't, um, you know, if we can't play this year, you know, what does that mean for my, you know, I mean, this is their future. This is, this is a big deal to them. Right. And I'm not trying to, again, minimize anybody else's experience or you know, I'm just trying to talk about what we're talking about. Um, the fact that they don't know, I think is just, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not trying to necessarily blame the NCAA, but I wish the NCAA would give some sort of signal like, Hey, if you're not able to take visits until X, we're going to do this, right? And I understand the NCAA has a lot of stuff on its plate right now, trying to do a lot of different things. Um, but the reality for me is that, like, for these kids, they're just stuck in this weird limbo with no any – with. and I understand there are a lot of people out there stuck in limbo. But, like, the NCAA could do something here. The NCAA could come out and say, okay, because of the amount of time that we've already lost for visits, there's going to be no early signing period – and the traditional signing period is going to be moved back from X to Y, right? And even under ideal circumstances, hey, there's no downside, right? Kids can just sign when they can sign. Uh, and there's nothing that says the NCAA can't come out later and say, hey, we're since since things have now stabilized and, you know, folks are actually, you know, wearing their mask and the uh, positivity rate's gone down or whatever, like, we're going to move it up. We're going to, we're going to bring the early period back and we're going to make it, you know, January such and such. And then we're going to bring the 
um, the traditional period and make it April such and such. Like there's no, there's no, there's, I mean, it, it, we talked, we joked about the whole unprecedented, like literally anything's on the table. I just wish the NCAA would do something to help these kids who are trying really hard to work their way through this process um, and feeling like they're, they're at risk of losing essentially free education that they have earned through these offers that could just dry up. It, it's, it's exponentially more stressful for those kids, I think, than it should be. And I guess that was just really the, the impetus for why I want to talk about it. All right, on that note, if you are somebody who has found the pod through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined, give us a rating and review. It helps to get us out in front of more people, and we appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Uh, Ferber did another uh, film room the other day, uh, this time breaking down why we think um, Charles Snowden and Noah Taylor are prime for such big seasons, uh, looking at their uh, pass rushing ability, their stuff in coverage, stuff against a run, uh, a lot of gifts. Um, he, like I said, like I've said before, and I'll say again, it's one of the most impressive things we've ever had on the site, and I'm, and I'm really glad that it's there. So definitely give that a look if you haven't. Uh, I caught up with, excuse me, three star offensive lineman um, <clears throat> um, Ethan Mort to talk about his uh, kind of where he is in his process, the visits he's got planned. He just dropped the top group. Uh, so he's kind of in that holding pattern. Uh, I mentioned uh, Roanoke's um, James Jackson, um, who Mendenhall really seems to have made an impact on him. So you can check that out as well. So uh, lots lots going on uh, at the website as we look f- toward um, next week and the start of voluntary workouts. I'm not sure as of yet what sort of access we'll have. My guess would be we'll get something, whether it's Bronco or coaches or maybe even players, um, via Zoom next week, but I'm, uh, we haven't gotten that official word yet, so definitely um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. Uh, I very much appreciate everything they do for this podcast and for the site, so thank you very much. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's a good place to put an pin in it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.